Hello, and welcome to the IDOC Focal Point Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Steve Vargo, and I have the pleasure today of talking with Dr. Jacqueline Munson, who's, um, I would say, has really pushed the envelope on the traditional model of eye care. And Dr. Munson has embraced a model of prevention and wellness, and she's very passionate about the brand that she's created and in helping others become more proactive versus reactive in intervening in the disease process as early as possible on behalf of patients. And for those who feel the traditional eye care model is going to be challenged in years ahead and that something needs to change, I think this is going to be a great interview and worth listening to Dr. Munson's story. So Jacqueline, thank you for, uh, for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to collaborate today. Great. So I'm going to start out with a quote from you. Um, <laughs> on a, a podcast that, that I listened to recently that you're on, you said, I would give anything if our profession would switch to a preventative mindset. Can you expand more on that from, from your perspective on maybe where are we at right now? Where are you at or where would we like to be and, and how do we bridge that gap? Well, thanks for the nod there, Steve. I appreciate that. I, I think it's an exciting time. Uh, patients want more. Patients want a preventative approach to their health care. And uh, we're here. We're going to show up as an industry and be there to deliver that for them. Um, I'm fortunate, you know, to be here in Colorado and, and to live amongst people who really are passionate about their wellness. Uh, and that's contagious. So we, we know industry-wide we have some of our own diagnoses that are pandemics themselves. And now is the, the perfect opportunity to really lean into prevention and how can we set the next two generations up uh, to succeed, you know, to lower the incidence or to, to remove the villain of the story in silent diseases. So whether it's ocular surface disease, uh, you know, headaches, eye strain, eye fatigue, uh, nutritional opportunities to help uh, expand retinal health and preventative retinopathy concepts. Uh, there's a lot there. Uh, and so there's more to the story, obviously, that we all can collaboratively offer that together and, and maybe unify the level of care a little more soundly. So understanding your approach to patient care is different. I've seen it evolve, I think. Is that fair to say over the last couple of years that you've looked at things and says, this may not work long-term, at least not for me. I need to start looking at a different way of approaching it. So and we talked about this before we hit record on this, was that I think a lot of doctors would look at your model and aspire to to recreate that. But I think a lot of them also get hung up on some of the frustrations with, you know, how do we get patients to buy into that? How do you approach it, approach that with patients who may be entering what you might call, or you may be inviting them into somewhat of an atypical experience. And I mean that as a, in a good way, but you take the, where a lot of doctors might struggle with that. Well, patients just come in, they just want to pay their copay. They don't want to get anything else. You've kind of turned that on its head and, and you've, introduced a lot of other services. Um, how do you introduce that to the patient so they know coming in what to expect? I think it all curtails around education and sharing knowledge. And when we're generous with the knowledge that we know and that we're trained and that we're constantly investigating, when we're generous with that with patients, I think it's well received and appreciated. 
the, the trick is, is gauging how much knowledge to share. Like where is that patient at in their wellness journey? Um, where are they at in their level of fear or family histories? Like where, where are they at and how do we come to them with the appropriate amount of knowledge at the said time, you know, and that's probably my hardest, you know, one of my biggest flaws. I've got many flaws, Steve, but the biggest one that I, that I fall victim to often is, is, is the knowledge curse. Um, I am so excited and so passionate. We know all these integral ways that the eye connects with whole body health that I'm so excited to share it. And, um, if we consistently give too many bowling balls of knowledge to the patient, it overwhelms them and it feels like a sales pitch at that point. It goes, that's, that's the spin when you go from patient education and true advocacy into, oh my goodness, I've put too much knowledge in front of this patient at this time. Now they see this as just a sales pitch and it's not an authentic beginning to a relationship, you know, for a long-term relationship in the practice. And so um, that's one of my biggest flaws and I am continuing to polish that and to, to share the recovery efforts, shall we say. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think it's just you though. Certainly. I mean, I, I think that's something that a lot of doctors could really benefit from learning more about in terms mm-hmm. that you call it the, the knowledge curse. And I'm familiar, I'm familiar with that term as well. The, the curse of knowledge that doctors basically what it means, right. Is that, you have this high level of knowledge about something and you just assume everybody else either understands it as well or is able to apply it as well. So I think sometimes from our perspective, we give people a lot of information just assuming that they're going to understand it and understand the value of it, yet we fail to connect with them on, on that level. And, and yeah. people are it, funny. There's a whole science behind it. You know, Jacqueline, yeah. one of the benefits of doing your own podcast is you get to promote your own stuff. So, yeah. And I'm only mentioning this for context, <laughs> but I, I actually have a book coming out in July where I really tackled this very topic. It's called Prescribing Change because what I see all too often is well-intended doctors who want to introduce new services, want to introduce new technology, but get very frustrated from what they perceive as patients not being on board or not being interested or not understanding the value and there's that gap in between that we need to understand better. How do we communicate with patients? How do we um, present things in a way that gets them to understand? And my big thing is I'd really like to see doctors get to the point where we're not just giving information, um, but we're getting people to actually change. We're getting patients to actually change something. We, we lean way too heavily on information. It's important, yeah. obviously, but if people don't change, yeah. You didn't accomplish anything. Yeah, and and what's what's the antidote to my you know internal dilemma with my own? And it's not to to gloat that I have this like surprise knowledge that no one else has access to. It's not that. It's the delivery that I'm at fault for, right? It's how am I delivering the message? And really, it's becoming my the antidote. Truly, in concise terms, is is to be a better storyteller mm-hmm. to tell the story about what eye disease looks like, to tell the story about what vision performance issues look like, to tell the story about recoveries in patients who've gone from blurred, uncomfortable, fluctuating vision, headaches, all these symptoms, right? To empathize more and to draw patients into that can be your outcome too. You know, to say, this is where we are right now. Um, This is what concerns me. This is what, you know, the, the guides of your story, our expertise, our team, our unique technology, you know, the villain of the the whole gamut in this is, like I said, silent disease. So that's the villain, the bad guy in the story. It's not us. We're not the bad guy in this. The patient's not the bad guy in this. It's it's disease, silent diseases. 
So if we can team up with you know, national perspectives and local perspectives and this team internally in our clinic to guide and walk with the patient, um, their wellness is literally the hero of our story. So that's simplifying. You can apply that, that storytelling concept to any diagnosis, whether it's, you know, OSD or trigeminal neuralgia or retinopathy to say, who's the villain and show them a picture or a video of it. Here's how we're going to work together to make decisions. And then this is the outcome we expect because we're really good at this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's helped me really get out of that knowledge curse mentality and, and come to the patient more. Um, and it's helped the staff too. Like we've all really simplified the messaging to say, here's our why, number one, here's what we're really good at. And this is what we expect for a victory and a celebration of win for you. This is a win for you. So the you mentioned the team aspect of it which might be another frustration for for a lot of doctors is okay i've got these ideas i know what i'd like to do in terms of changing our model or changing our brand but change is hard we know that um it's hard getting patients to change but it's also hard getting your team to change how have you approached that you've you've obviously had this vision that you want for your brand for your practice but you've got people around you that you've got to get them aligned with that as well and what has been your approach to getting them get to be to, to getting everyone on the team aligned with the same vision and goals? Well, I think it starts with the provider's why first off. Like it has to be the pulse of your heart. You know, it has to. You have to thump, eat, sleep, and dream, wanting to be different, wanting to change. And so I read. I especially with you know current trends and current times of the state of affairs of the world, I had to dig deep even more to find out my why again, to kind of reestablish why am I a business owner in the middle of a pandemic? Why am I doing eye care? Like, why am I doing all of this? You know, I'm just turned 34 on April 7th and it was, I think the peak day for COVID cases. And I was like, my world is about to fall apart. You know, like how do we, how do we rally from this? Like, what is, what's the, the, the why? So my why personally is um, I want to minister to patients. I want to be here when they need us, right? Like I'm going to show up and I'm going to be here. And I want to offer something unique in experience and in education for staff and patients alike. And, and I want to leave a legacy in my community and in my practice and my family. So those are my whys. And oh, by the way, we're really good at eyeballs, right? Mm-hmm. So like, I want to share that message with my staff, with my staff, number one, because they understand my why. I understand my why even more now. And then I'm okay with them saying that and sharing that with our new patients, you know, to say like, here's our why and Dr. Munson's why I've asked my staff to be an extension of my heart to share my passion. And so until that kind of cohesion in passion, I guess, is united, I I don't know how else we could have moved forward, you know, just in recent times to kind of look acutely at the situation. But um, from that, patients get it, right? When they know how much you care, they know, then they care how much you know. So unless they understand why we're here and why we show up with our navy blue scrubs on every day you know they don't really care so we've you know not to um, continue on this monologue here but we i established my why re-established my why and then we took it to the patient perspective and we said why do patients come to us we looked at the patient's why and then we looked, looked at the team's why individually like what are your individual whys in your life And is this career and is this practice supporting that, right? Like, are we helping you achieve your goals in life too? And we spent a lot of time on that in the last, you know, 60 to 90 days, um, just virtually meeting and gathering and 
presenting a few slide decks. We, we stole some, some tips and tricks from Simon Sinek and his um, circle of safety concept, you know, creating a, a culture of safety and less anxiety. How can we rub out all those anxious moments in our day internally so that the patient has less surprise in their experience? But um, I think it starts to, to come full circle on that. It, it starts with the provider's why. And this is the perfect opportunity to really establish what are the top three reasons why you show up every day and how can we, how can we support that? How can we, how can your staff help you achieve those goals? Yeah. You know, and I think from a leadership perspective that the clarity over time, I think it makes things easier in the sense that it helps streamline decisions Mm -hmm. because if you're not clear on where you're going, whether your, your objectives, your vision, um, your why, which is really important. And I think what you've described is that emotional um, goal that we're, we're achieving. Why are we here? A lot of times what I'll ask people to do too, in terms of, you know, how do I, what, what technology should I be investing in? Where should I be investing my time, my money, my resources? Mm-hmm. A lot of times the first place I'll go is where do you want to be? in let's just say three to five years. Mm-hmm. And nine times out of 10, there's going to be some fuzziness around that. If they've even given that thought, because until you really get to that point of understanding, here's where I'm going, here's what I want to build, here's where I want my revenues to be, here's what I want to be known for in my community, here's what I want my brand to be known for. Mm-hmm. Until then, you, you have shiny object syndrome because you're just chasing all these different things. Mm-hmm. Once you have that clarity, then you can start getting a lot more clear on where you want to spend that. And it's okay to be blurry for a little bit. You it's know, okay to change too. Yeah, yeah it's, it's messy. It can be messy. That's but, right. Yeah, and that's the creative, that's the creative tension. That's, that's good. Right. And it's okay to present a failure resume in that moment and say like, here's what I've done. That's not working. And to say, I'm okay with the blur right now, or things have been a little blurry in the past. And to say, I'm just getting a sharper 2020. I'm almost down to 2010, you know? So it's okay. No matter where you're at in your career, you know, if you're just starting out and you have this fresh slate to say, we're instantly going to start in a preventative mindset. Or if you're, you know, 35 years in and you're like, what's my exit strategy or am I too late on my exit strategy? You know, how can I recruit the next generation to provide that preventative model? Um, This applies across the board. And there's a lot of false narrative out in the world right now. There's a lot of false narratives to buy into, but I really feel soundly that the preventative model is not false. It is a true model that will sustain cash flow, medical insurance, vision coupons, no matter where you're at in your career, I think that there's a really strong space for that in your four walls at present day. Yeah. So I, I, I'm going to uh, dig into your clinical mind for a second, just for a, a peek at what a, you know, some of the things that you might be into. And the next question is completely self-serving. Um, so I went to a, my um, dental hygienist and I've had, I had some issues with, um, some gum inflammation. And she said, do you breathe with your, do you sleep with your mouth open? And I thought, doesn't everybody, how would you not sleep? And she goes, no, it's actually, it's better to. So I, um, I even bought these strips that close your mouth. I saw it on Shark Tank. Bought the tape. Yeah, I bought the tape and I realized here's the issue. I don't breathe well through my nose and I think it's probably a deviated septum. I haven't had it looked at yet, but so I'm not asking you to diagnose my condition, but you, it's just one of the things that you brought up that I don't think a lot of ODs give much thought to. And I heard you mention this. So just as an you know, one area of, of eye care, we don't think about much. Can you just talk about that a little bit? 
Sure. You know, the, the evolution of this is, you know, we, we work closely with dentistry based on location. I have a lot of colleagues that are in the dental world in my family, et cetera, et cetera. And so um, just looking historically at, you know, it, it just as, okay, so I'm 34. It's taken 30 years for our industry to wrap our minds around completely ocular surface seeds. Okay. So relate that to mouth breathing in the airway in the dental world, same story. Orthodontia used to look at the bones of your mouth and say, hey, your teeth are crowded. The bones are unorganized. They're not straight. So we're going to pull them out. We're going to take them out. And then they thought, gosh, well, what if we keep these teeth and just expand the palate? What if we open up the bridge or the palate of your mouth? And hey, we get to save your teeth and they look cosmetically better. Well, then we figured out why, what well, we, dentistry, they figured out why is this happening in the first place? And it's really all tongue posture. The tongue should be up in the roof of your mouth, expanding your palate, forcing the airway to breathe through the nose, not your mouth. So you get that natural filtration of three different um, filters, right? So your nasal passage, your adenoids, and your tonsils are the players in keeping air clean, keeping exposure to oxygen sound. And so what we're catching um, are really young patients with lots of aqueous deficiencies, lots of reduced tear film. And we know we've improved land score. We know we've reduced staining. We know we've rejuvenated the conjunctiva and gotten rid of vitamin A deficiencies and things like that. And they're still waking up dry. And so you start looking back and you see, then you start to see kind of the bags under the eyes and you just kind of hear their breathing while they're sedentary in the chair. And you're like, this is a mouth breather sitting in front of me. So we ask them to open their mouth. We look up at their arches in their mouth and we say, you need to go to postural physical therapy or your maxillofacial facial therapist to identify and address this now, because this is a train wreck ocular surface patient waiting to happen, give it 10 years an apnea patient waiting to happen, a glaucoma patient waiting to happen, so that whole trend. Um, and it's as simple as just collaborating with your own dentist or looking in your own mouth, um, because I think from the motherhood perspective, um, we, we think it's cute when our kids snore, or we think it's cute when their little mouths are open, and it's not. It's, it's a health concern. It's oxygen to the brain. You know, you can start talking about neurofunction later on down the road, optic nerve health, so to get on that that's one tiny little, I mean, it's cheap and easy. I didn't have to buy a shiny object to just look in a mouth and say, yeah. hmm, this looks like a future dry eye patient to me. And then empower parents with that knowledge. The trick is, is finding the players in your community who are that preventative in oral health too, mm-hmm. and linking in and, and, and conversing with them. So yeah. that's just one topic on the pediatric side of ocular service disease care that we're really excited about. Um, it's It's no different to finding a lot of demodex blepharitis on a five, six, seven-year-old and telling a mom, like, it's not allergies. You know, you, you can get off the pharma drugs that your allergist has been prescribing because this is a lid disease. We just didn't know it years ago. So just cleaning up those truths and kind of the false narratives of reactionary care that are exciting. And it's really fun. And it didn't cost me anything to, to do that. Just some collaboration in the community. And doesn't that really... I mean, from a perception standpoint in the minds of patients, I I would think that would really make you stand out. You know, I'll give you an example. My my 13-year-old son has been having some ankle issues. He plays sports. It's been going on for a while. Um, He irritated it, sliding into second base. And it's just been, you know, we think it's gone and it acts up again. So his coach recommended this 
uh, doctor who we went in and he, he just couldn't recommend him enough. And he said, call these other people. Cause I've had some other kids that we've had with these injuries and they've gone to him and he, he describes him as a voodoo doctor. He goes, I don't know how he does it, but it's just like, you got to see it to believe it. So you yeah. go in there and you think they're just going to look at the ankle and he goes, no. And he goes into all the reasons, all the other issues of the body from being you know, flat footed to, to knees, to how you run, to alignment of the spine and everything contributes to that. He goes, we're going to tackle, you know, tackle this a little different than you might just have somebody come and just directly address the foot. But right there, I think it was that, um, you know, it, it, it sort of violated expectations in a good way. And mm -hmm. I, you know, you, you leave thinking, well, this person really knows something has a, a, a higher level of knowledge on that. And it just feels to me like if I were in the exam chair and you were looking at some of these other things too, where my expectation was, I'm just going to come in for an eye exam mm -hmm. that I would leave there thinking, wow, this experience was different and it was different in a good way. I, I do wish that, you know, I could, I could look at the eye and the brain as just separate entities that I could look at the cornea without having a retina, that I could look at the, the eye without having a body attached with it. Like that'd be really easy. <laughs> you know, it'd be, it'd be really easy to, to practice like that because you just kind of put blinders on and, and, and if that matches your why, then do that, you know, but I just don't know how to function that way. I don't know how to see an eye without a body attached and mm -hmm. to, to collaborate with other providers has been really interesting. So to, to touch on alignment, just while we're in the clinical space for a moment, um, we know now the, the headache component and the eye vision fatigue component, a lot of our partners with IDOC, you know, from the, the technology side have really supported this mindset. Um, but to, to go from a messed up palate, right? Like a really high arched palate the early development in that will shift the bones in your face, right? So your, your maxiofacial bones interact with the orbit and it may cause some of these vertical or horizontal misalignments in eye posture. And so that takes us right in from an ocular surface patient to a vision performance patient who may have these small underlying eye misalignments that could benefit from some sort of contoured prism or something like that. So it, it, it bodes well to say, is this pseudo dry eye? Is this, is this true ocular surface disease? And so I'm really proud of IDOC and how they've positioned opportunities for private practice to invest in technologies that support right there. I mean, we're already, we're two minutes into a conversation together and we're already at where, how well IDOC's positioned us to be able to invest in new technologies to get to root cause solutions for patients. So it's yeah. not you guys for that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And the, you know, I always like to say, become the doctor that fixes things that others couldn't. And there's a lot of them out there. You want loyal, raving fans. They're probably not going to come from some of the routine things that people expect to get when they come in. But if you really develop your, if you invest in yourself, you invest in your knowledge and your competencies, you invest in the technology and you become that doctor that fixes things that other people couldn't. I, I think that you'll really quickly make a name for yourself um, in uh, in whatever it is you're passionate about. And and the knowledge is there, you know, like where I'm, I love sharing knowledge with patients and colleagues and all this. It's really great. And after that, you know, if, if it matches with your why now it's just logistics, how do we get it done? So then we kind of come out of clinical mind and we, we delegate now to our team and we trust that they understand the passion, the mission in the process. So that's the gap is like the knowledge, you and I just learned something new together. We learned a new villain, a bad guy to the story. 
And so now how do we equip the guides? How else can I equip this team to say, here's the geek out knowledge. If you can't hang with me, I need to get put an indeed ad out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, uh, we just hired two and two new and we had 138 people apply for one position. I was only going to, I was only going to hire one, but I couldn't pass down these other two. So, you know, it's just a great time to reevaluate who's, who's going to walk with me through the next pandemic. Mm-hmm. You know, like, are you pandemic worthy? And, and if you can't hang with this protocol that we're, we're putting in here, like we're going to have to make some changes. Yeah, so, yeah. so that's the, I don't know. That's the art of it, Steve. I love that. I love the creativity behind that. I love watching our industry evolve over time. Every generation is going to have a story about it. Um, and, and this is just my generation's turn, you know, to help carry the torch on this preventative mindset and, and be here for providers and colleagues who want to join with us mm-hmm. um, to be here for patients who expect and demand more. What other providers are you involved with? Where would you, because what you're talking about involves more, you know, we already talked about, I think, dentistry and orthodontia um, in dealing with this more holistic approach to eye care. What, where do you what 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 other professions, what other occupations do you reach out to? Yeah, you know, it's really anybody who prescribes because they're causing dry eye. It's anybody who deals with headaches and anybody who deals with sports vision or vision performance. You know, if it's, it's all of the, and, and the nutritionists, I'll say. Uh, so anybody who writes prescriptions is causing ocular surface disease. So where we've focused in our... Um, relationships has been with dermatology, uh, with uh, neurology, and with rheumatology. So those three areas have really, you know, primary care is always going to be there with diabetic patients and, and that preventative mindset with the pediatric population too. But it's, it's really been interesting to see the naturopathic world express interest in this. Of course, dentistry, as we mentioned, and, and the expectation something that's kind of blowing my mind that I did not expect was the psychological industry. So when I have my neuropsychs, obviously with bringing head injury patients who are, who are conversing with us, when I have, you know, other therapists and their counselors who are talking about brain fog and mental health and all these other things I really didn't expect the mental health world to show up at our doorstep and they have. And so because of this barrage of providers, um, how do you vet them out? You know, like, how do you know who's going to protect or be an extension of your brand or protect that patient experience as you refer back and forth? And so the most sincere way that I've found to uh, be authentic with them is to just go spend time in clinic with them. I mean, I, I spent 10 hours uh, last spring with dermatology with a couple different groups in our community. I just took two hours like every other Monday and just went with and saw patients with them. I brought some of my own portable widgets and we just geeked out together for a little bit and, and just expressed my sincerity to say, yes, we're early in this, we're preventative in this, and we're going to take care of your patients. Uh, please take care of mine, you know, please share that knowledge. And, and if you, like I taught them how to find the eye rubbers, you know, or the red lids and the conjunctival hyperemia, just, you know, don't forget the brow, there's Demodex in the brow too, you know, things like that to say, you're, you're going to be offering higher level of care and kind of blowing your patient's mind just by handing them my card because you've had these conversations to tee it up and plant seeds on eye health. So that's, that's been really fun because of that work and, you know, kind of grooming that over the last couple of years, just, just randomly vetting out some of these other providers. Uh, We are announcing our advisory board coming up this fall to really 
build that circle of safety at the advisory board level to say you can trust what we're doing. The only obligation that they have to be part of this advisory board is to critique us, is to share with us if there's a problem. If there's a patient who has a less than perfect experience, I need to know. You can't keep that a secret. You just have to be open with me about how we can process and improve all the time. That's the only obligation I ask. Who makes up the advisory board? These are other local doctors? Writers, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, we've got, we, we have a national advisory board. You know, industry is working with us and watching us and helping us implement, because we're just big enough to be, you know, to show volume, but we're just small enough to be really agile with new widgets as they come out. And so it's been really fun to see industry kind of lean in a little bit and say, how can we implement this and make this more feasible for the masses of our industry? And then how can we continue that guidance clinically with other really big powerhouses and knowledge? So it's not just me creating all this, you know, it's, it's a collective effort. My mantra, if you will, or my zinger for the year, you know, we turned 50 in the year 2020 this year. And so what a bust, right? <laughs> but I started in January. Yeah. Woo-hoo, yeah. <laughs> and so uh, I started hindsight is 2021. That's what I've decided. <laughs> yeah. So but I started the year out. So, you know, we were so full of, of vinegar here talking about um, how when local initiatives and national perspectives unite, right, that's what keeps momentum perpetual. So we wanted to keep the momentum perpetual throughout the next 50 years of this practice. And my team knows that I won't rest until we've converted our patients into wellness ambassadors in the community. So what's the nugget of knowledge that they need to empower their family and their loved ones to share that message? Because I, they, they and I both know we can't, we can't share the preventative message by ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so I'll sleep well one day when everybody's on board to tie this full circle back to the initial prompt, Steve, about I'd give anything if our profession would lean into the preventative mindset. I will probably get my first full night's sleep when we all collaboratively unifying that. What's been your biggest challenge in taking this untraditional approach? The pace, how to pace it. Um, There's a few things I wish I'd had done in a different order, you know, from like a revenue standpoint, I would have implemented some of the widgets in a different order, subtle changes, you know, it wasn't a deal breaker by any means. It just would have probably been easier. Um, and then I think, you know, I'm only five years into owning this practice. And um, so we're kind of through the re-identity crisis and through the, the whole buyout and all that stuff, which was kind of traumatic in its own right. But I think just pacing change, you know, because I would love to find the, the person who has that book written. <laughs> that should be your next book, Steve, is how to pace the change. Like now we're on board with change. From- now we're on board with change. So how do we pace it? And so the numbers typically, right, you should use the numbers to pace things and just kind of set the, set the, the timer, shall we say. But in that first few years, you know, of, of reestablishing a practice, everything moves so quickly. Like it's just such fast paced decisions all the time, you know, reusing a 1970s practice and then totally jumping over that three-year curve where we've seen the most change in eye care, right, than my lifetime. So it just, everything happens really quickly. And so how can we take take a step back and really pace that more appropriately possibly for others? That would be, 
that's my biggest challenge always in life. Cause I just run into things and I'm like, let's do this, mm-hmm. you know? And so I'm, I'm kind of, I'm ready to, to pace. Yeah. So last question, what's been the most rewarding part for you in going down this untraditional? Oh, man. Just yesterday. I mean, one of my sweet patients is, you know, she is new to our practice and within 30 days we've got our ocular surface cleaned up. Her vision is two lines better. And she, you know, could not get an answer for the last five, 10 years on why am I blinking all the time to clear up my vision? And why are these moisture drops that you prescribed at Walgreens not working? And so, you know, she, she literally verbatim shared my why with me. Like she, she re- restated why I show up to work every day was so thankful that she's feeling better. Her vision's better. And she's recruiting five more patients like that was yesterday morning about 1130. And I just remember thinking, God, this is awesome. Like, I just love eye care and I love making people well. And it didn't take 10 years. You know, it took about 30 days of good compliance and, and a team guy like that just proved that the villain is pacified. The guides are working and her wellness is appreciated from her own standpoint, not just me and my objective geeky data saying, woohoo, gland scores are better and T butts better and B butts better and all these things, you know, like that was, that's all I want, <laughs> you know? And then if it, if it, it, it surely pays for itself, you know, because we've prescribed appropriate treatment in a short timeline that has a re- proper return on it. So it's just, it's, that's all I want. You know, and I'm going to go camping with my kid this weekend. So it's that work-life balance that, that IDOC is helping everyone establish and uh, it feels good. It's, it's pretty fun, even in the midst of COVID. You mentioned Simon Sinek before, and I actually just finished, um, I I believe it's his most recent book, The Infinite Game. And I I think in many ways, it's kind of what we're talking about. And he Mm -hmm. talks about how there, it's a game you play where there is no, you never win. But what you do is you understand your core message, your core values, and yeah. you just keep pushing that that yeah. forward. Um, and it that it really connected with me. But you got to have to get clear on on what that is. Um, so maybe you'll never fully rest comfortably. Yeah. But in some well, ways, yeah. that's you keep pushing that message because there yeah. is no. I think what you're doing though. Um, definitive. You know, there's some like he taught. He referenced sports. There's a finite end point the game ends there's a winner and there's a loser but playing the infinite game it's 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 bigger than that it's it's yeah. it's a bigger message it's a bigger um uh you know it's it's a uh you know it, it's it had more meaning more emotionally yeah, the attached. trophy is different for everybody you know the trophy i know that that satisfied that interaction with that patient satisfied my three whys mm-hmm Right. And so if you want to say, you know, the athlete needs the trophy, a tangible trophy, or the athlete may, it's, it's the love languages, right? Like, like, what is it that, that trips their trigger to, to, to settle that peace in their heart. And, um, and that's different for everybody, but the trophy for me was, was, was validating the why and that people want it because it is scary sometimes, you know, to be on an Island, maybe you are the only one in your community that's, that's looking at ocular surface from a preventative mindset, or maybe you are the only one who's talking about headaches or light protection with your patients. And, and I don't want to be on the Island anymore. You know, like I, I don't want to be out there by myself. I want to, I want to have others teach us and do it better than we're even doing it so that we can keep that momentum perpetual, like I said. So um, it's, it's the game of business right? It's how do you speak into people's listening? How do you, how do you differentiate yourself and, and perceive value and, and 
keep it authentic. For sharing your, uh, your, your story uh, with us and your expertise. And it, it's been a pleasure getting to know you the last couple of years and watching your, um, you know, we didn't get into it, but you didn't exactly step into the easiest situation with your practice. It was challenging to say the least and to watch you take that and, and create what you've created and continue to create and, and the evolution of that. It's, it's been really interesting. And, and I know that even within IDOC that we've kind of been watching you as we look at what, what does the next generation of mm-hmm. practices look like and, and how do we get there? So it, it's always, um, it's, it's reassuring and it's, um, it, it's always great to talk to people that are actually not talking about it, but making that happen. So thanks for sharing some time with us. Yeah, thanks for being, you're, you're our guide, you know, you're part of our guide and part of the story with us. So it's a, a collective effort here. So we're very grateful. Thanks, Steve. Thank you. And um, this is Dr. Steve Varga with IDOC. And you can learn more about IDOC if you're not a member at IDOC.net. And one of our core values is better together. So um, if you're interested in being part of a community of uh, progressive ODs like Dr. Munson, um, don't hesitate to reach out. So thank you, Jacqueline, and, and thank you, everyone else.